The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. How in the world are you today? You're looking good. We're going to be talking lawns and gardens, and this morning our guest from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service, Justin Stefanski, is here. So if you have a question for Justin, he has answers for you. He's joining us in the studio. So if you have a question for Justin, 615-893-1450. And... Justin, you probably have been getting quite a few questions already. People have, I would imagine, with uh, the cool weather we've been having and cold weather and short days, not too much sunshine, people are ready for They're getting stir-crazy. <laughs> they are, myself included. Yeah. It sure is nice this morning. It gives us that little taste of oh, what we yeah. have in store for us. Boy, I can't wait for spring. But you I, know, I'm getting really excited about uh, Groundhog Day. It's coming. <laughs> it is coming indeed. I hope that uh, he gives us good news because I, I am I'm sure ready. ready for spring. But, yeah, folks are getting itchy, and, and it's it's about that time. So there's a lot of things we could be getting ready for, planting out our gardens, thinking about what to plant, where to plant it. Uh, seeds. You know, people get their seed catalogs this time of year, and they go crazy. So uh, are seeds more popular? than plants Uh, you know i think it's about even you know a lot of folks have not done seed starting before but they get the seed catalogs and they just they go crazy you know they order everything they can there's so many varieties now of different vegetable plants out there and flower seeds and if you've not tried it i highly encourage you to do so it's a great learning experience and and kids love it you know you you put a bean seed in the ground or in a cup and and when you watch that thing germinate and grow i mean it's it changed my life in the sixth grade we did a bean planting project and here i am 37 years old doing horticulture work so it really is a so is that what did it that's what did it sixth grade rockvale elementary school mr demoss's science class i don't know where he is today but i just want to let him know that uh we did a little bean planting experiment a little genetic study and i just thought it was so fascinating to watch those beans germinate and to grow and and here i am <laughs> well obviously you're big on seeds planting seeds what are some benefits of going the seed route as opposed to the plant route? Well, if you do your own transplants, is that, that's what the technical horticultural term, you can grow varieties that maybe you're not able to find at the local garden centers or the big box stores. Some of those heirloom varieties of tomatoes. You know, heirlooms are the, I guess they would be the old-fashioned varieties. Uh, they've been around forever. A lot of the varieties that you're going to see at the garden centers and the big box stores are hybrids, so they've been hybridized and and they're they've been bred for certain characteristics either color shape size a lot of them are bred just for their shipping qualities they have a tough skin and they store well so if you start your own seeds you can really customize what you're growing uh, and it gives you some more diversity and options is there a, a risk of getting the wrong seeds for the wrong geographic area for the most part, not really. If you're getting just vegetable transplants, the, the biggest thing is making sure you plant them at the right time of year. You know, we have a, a cool season garden crop and then we have warm season garden crops. So, you know, knowing, understanding the difference between warm and cool season crops is important. But really, there's not a whole lot of risk of, of you ordering a vegetable seed and it's just not acclimated for our area. As long as we have a decent summer, it'll grow here. Now, if you're planting shrubs and trees, which is 
this is a good time of year still to in, do that. Yep, we're still in that window. How do you know which ones work well? We have so many people coming in from distant places, and they have favorites, which some work in Tennessee, some don't work. That, that is absolutely right. The big thing is to, to look at the zone map. I don't know if uh, your listeners are familiar with it, but there's the weather zone map, and we're in zone 7. So every zone is rated from average high and low temperatures and let's say if you're from California, their zone there is is vastly different than it would be in Middle Tennessee. Same could be said for folks from up north. You know, the, the plants that are rated to grow up in Ohio and Michigan and New York, you know, they're a, a lot more sensitive to the heat in the summer here. So looking at what plants are in that, you know, we, we used to be in zone six. Now we're in kind of six and seven. So somewhere in that range is kind so of... So we're seeing a change. We're, we've seen a change over the last 20 years. Uh, you know, so it, it's on average been warmer you know, and I think we can all attest to that. The summers here are hot, and they've always been hot and humid, but they've they've certainly gotten, you know, the humidity. I, I've been here since 1995. I still haven't acclimated to the humidity, but it keeps me skinny in the summer, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing to, if you're going to be, be skinny. That is absolutely right. But, you know, just being aware, reading plant tags, you know, that, that information will always be on the label for plants. Uh, and, and just knowing, hey, we are in Zone 7, and if you see a plant that says, it's not rated for this area then you know that's not the one you need and and a lot of these companies now will sell online so they're selling to a a global market so you really do have to be a, an educated consumer you know speaking of educated consumer you have a program the garden basics class garden basics yes sir is there are there still openings in that there are and that's coming up the first class is on march 2nd now this is being offered by by my office the ut extension office and also the rutherford county master gardener program uh it will start on march 2nd and it'll run through april 6th and it covers a great variety of topics it's a, it's a five-part course it meets on thursdays from 6 to 8 6 p.m to 8 30 p.m uh, there at our office it's fifty dollars per person ninety dollars per couple uh, and we're going to be covering everything from selecting landscape plants basic lawn care vegetable gardens and then you know adding color to your landscape you know flowers and, and ornamental things like that so if you're new to this area you know the garden basics class is ideal I and mean, it really will be a great you know introductory course of how to garden in tennessee what should you be doing and how should you do it so i highly encourage folks that are new to the area to sign up for this class. I've also heard that a lot of people who have a desire to take the Master Gardeners program to be a part of that, this is a good introduction to that as well. Absolutely. It kind of gives you a taste of what to expect. You know, if you're not quite ready to make the leap into the, you know, the Master Gardener program is a, it's a big commitment. You know, it's a 12-week course and then there's the volunteer service associated with it. But if you're just looking to kind of, you know, dip your toe in the water, so to speak, and to see what gardening education is all about you know this is a great opportunity for you to just kind of get a taste of what we offer and and also for you to meet some of our our wonderful master gardeners you know they really are some of the best folks around extremely knowledgeable and and the beauty of the master gardeners here in rutherford county is that they're so willing to help and share their knowledge and that really is the end game of the of the program but we've, we've got a great group here so i highly encourage folks to if, if you're interested in thinking about joining Joining the Garden Basics class will be a certain a, a good opportunity for you to meet some folks. There may be a few people who are listening who are not aware of the Master Gardener program. Tell us uh, who comprises that. What, what's it all about? So the Master Gardener program, it, it's actually a nationwide program, but we have a Tennessee Extension Master Gardener program here. And not every county has one, but we certainly have a great group here. And it essentially, you know, the, the first part is education. So you take a 12 to 13 week educational series of courses and trainings, and then 
to certify, we call it becoming certified, you become a certified master gardener by completing volunteer service. So we have approved volunteer projects here across the county. Uh, they range from working in our demonstration beds there at Lane Agri-Park all the way to uh, providing educational lectures and speeches. You know, we have the Limeball Library Series, the educational series. We have uh, programs going on at farmers markets. So there's, there's an opportunity to either, you know, play in the dirt or if you're more of a public speaker and you want to share your knowledge and educate we've got educational opportunities so it really is a great opportunity for you to not only serve the community but just the knowledge you'll gain and then also the camaraderie you know we have monthly meetings we meet uh you know once a month for a, a nice educational meeting we have a dinner and uh it's, it's just a great social experience as well and 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 the folks in the master gardener program truly are a wealth of knowledge and they're just they're just wonderful people i i can't say enough good things about them so it's a great group. I will have to say they are very talented. You will hear them on this radio station on the second Tuesday morning at this time, second Tuesday of each month. Master Gardeners are on the show answering your questions, and they do a phenomenal they job. They really do. Yeah, we've got some good ones. So what is the big question that over the past few weeks, I guess there have been questions coming in to the Ag Center, the Lane Agri-Park what are the have there been certain questions that seem to pop up more often the bart the number one question we've been getting is is what's wrong with my evergreens you know laurels and arborvitaes and and i don't know if you've driven around town but you'll see just rows and rows and rows a lot of the commercial properties of brown or very sickly looking evergreen plants that really shouldn't look that way this time of year and it's a direct relate relation to the freeze we had on christmas eve and christmas day you know those conditions we had of at my house in rockvale i woke up I think it was Christmas Eve morning, it was negative one degrees. And that's the coldest that I've ever seen it since I've been here since 1995. So a lot of our evergreens right now look pretty pitiful. The good news is, is that they're not dead. Most of them should come back. I tell people to do the scratch test. You can take your thumbnail and scratch the stem. And if you peel back that bark and you see green tissue, even though the leaves may be brown, or even if you have, a, let's say a holly and the leaves have fallen off, as long as you can see green underneath that bark, they're still alive. So that has just been the pervasive dominant question we've had over the last, you know, two or three weeks. So don't tear them out. Don't tear them out. Don't prune them. My my recommendation is to just leave them alone. Even though they look awful, I know people really want to do something for them, but the best thing you can do is just kind of let them be. And then once things start to come out of dormancy back, you know, once the spring conditions warm up a little bit, you know, March and April, if you're still not seeing any new growth, then you can prune out those dead limbs. But as of right now, just leave them be and just, you know, pray for them and hope that they come back. We have a listener who says, I have a love for roses. And a few years ago, my rose bush met its Waterloo. Oh, no. <laughs> Should I think about putting it back again? Well, I my my assumption is you may have had a knockout rose. And knockout roses were planted, uh, you know, anywhere in the last 15 years. You drove around this town, you would see big giant plantings of knockout roses and there was a disease that came in uh, called rose rosette it's actually a virus rose rosette virus and it it was spread by a little microscopic insect that would come up from the gulf and it would vector a virus into the roses um, you know the big <clears throat> the big question is uh, is this rose in an area that's that's kind of isolated if it's out in the open the the susceptibility of this virus is more common but if you have it in a backyard area where it's fenced or there's some type of a windbreak you know, I would certainly, I don't want to discourage folks from planting roses. There's some other rose op, you know, rose varieties out there, some Ragusa roses and things like that are, are a little more robust and not as uh, 
you know, susceptible to rose rosette. So it really is their choice. But, I, you know, I don't want them to think that they can't replant the rose. Uh, they certainly can do so. They just need to watch it. Now, we had some other uh, bug-infected problems that came through the Smoky Mountains and on into this area. Uh, have those gone away, the ones that were killing trees? The woolly adelgid on the hemlock, yeah. If you drive up into the Smokies, if you just looked up into the canopies, you would just see dead sticks and stems and trees. You know, th those did come into Middle Tennessee, but that's not been as big of an issue here just because we don't have the prevalence of hemlock trees here in middle tennessee once you get up on the plateau they're they're pretty common and into the appalachians but you know we, we've always got new bugs coming into this area so you know it seems like every year we get an update with new pests and unfortunately our climate mix south it, it's so similar to southeast asia and you know globalization is? Wow. yeah if you okay. think about where we're at geographically you know, our summer conditions are so similar to, let's say, Vietnam or an area like that. And unfortunately, with, with globalization and shipping, a lot of these insect pests get, you know, they're in the cargo crates or they're in the wood of the pallets. You know, emerald ash borer is, is a good example of that, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of insects that we have to deal with here in Middle Tennessee but just because our climate is so conducive. You know, and you think about the humidity, just diseases alone, you know, it's the perfect condition for disease. So, you know, gardening here is a challenge, but it can be very rewarding when it get when it gets done right you know oh that's great so uh when should we start being concerned about making the yards look better i know the fall and it's hard to hard to accept this sometime uh fall is the time that you really should do that but a lot of people do it in the spring in terms of grass and grass things like that yeah you know this time of year there's not a whole lot we can do for our lawns you know you know sowing seed really needs to happen in the fall for ideal germination and and for the best uh health of the turf this time of year though you're basically if you have a cool season grass like a fescue you know you're getting ready to start your spring lawn care fertilization and things like that now if you have a warm season grass like bermuda it, it's still brown and dormant right now there's really nothing that you need to do for it until it starts to break dormancy back in you know it'll be may or june before you really need to do much so right now you know the biggest thing you can do is just kind of enjoy it if you got it and uh you know just just get ready for planning for spring one of the great things that i've really noticed so much is that this time of the year people are uh, planting a lot of bushes and things of that sort uh is there some service at the Ag Center that can recommend types of bushes and, and that might sort of help you determine the look that you're wanting to accommodate with those you bushes. You are talking to that service right it's here. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so part of my, you know, part of what I do in my responsibilities, if you call our office, you know, I would be more than happy to help you uh, select plants, give you lists of plants that are suited for this area uh, and acclimated for our conditions. You know, I've got an extensive plant list there and I, we also do site visits. So if you have a, a question about what to plant, where to plant it, how to plant it, you know, that that's what I do. So, uh, you know, I'd be happy to do a home visit for you, uh, and, and give us a call, you know, ask for me, Justin Stefanski. I will be glad to have a chat with you on the phone and you can bounce ideas off of me. If you're thinking about planting things and you want to know, Hey, is this going to work? You can ask me, and I am glad to, to give you the, the yay or nay on those plants. How important is getting the soil tested before you try some of these things? Certain things, it's essential. So let's say if you want to plant, you know, blueberries have really become a popular 
you know, it, it, it's it's a beautiful plant, uh, aesthetically speaking, but then you get blueberries off of it. And certain plants like azaleas and blueberries, they need a lower soil pH. You know, our pH range is usually, will be in somewhere between 6 and 7, whereas blueberries need something, you know, 5-ish, five, 5, somewhere around there, a little lower pH. So getting that soil tested the season before you're ready to plant, because it takes a while to amend your pH. So if you have a high pH, you got to put you know sulfur or you have to acidify that soil or if you have a low pH you got to put lime but it takes you know 6 to 12 months so if you're thinking about planting something that needs a pH requirement that's very specific you know I would say test at least 6 months out so then you can amend that soil because it will take some time now if you do plant blueberries you mentioned those is is that something you're going to enjoy pretty soon or does it take a while before the blueberries actually produce fruit you know in a perfect world and this is so hard for folks you know you, you're really supposed to pick the blossoms off for the first two or three seasons and that that's a hard thing to do throw them away throw them away and, oh, and what no. the reason is is that if you let it go to fruit those first few years it's taking all of that stored energy that it's that it has in its roots and then the carbohydrates and putting it into fruit production what you really want is is for it to grow well and store those those uh, carbohydrates and all the energy in the root system you know you're basically getting the plant set up to be as vigorous as possible so usually it's that third or fourth season that we recommend you can let it bloom let it go into a fruit crop it's hard you know I, I don't know if I could do it myself I don't have blueberries but boy it'd be awful difficult to pick off those beautiful flowers and throw them away, and throw them away. it's a hard thing to do oh, but yes. you know in a perfect world you know the recommendation is you know wait two or three years pick the blossoms off and it really will benefit you in the long run. It's kind of like a 401k. You know, it's hard on the front end, but it'll benefit you in the long run. So, you know, it's hard to do, though. Here's a text from a listener who says, I just moved into Murfreesboro. I am 36 years old. We bought our first home, and I'm looking at starting my first garden. Please don't throw away. Don't tell me I have to throw away the uh, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> no. What do I need to do to get started? Well, you know, really, it's it's how much space do you have? What type of garden do you want to do? You know, uh, do you have soil? That's the biggest thing to, to try to determine is what is your yard conditions like? You know, check your soil depth. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of spots in this county, we don't have soil depth. You so know, we, we're not talking about dirt. We're talking about good soil. Good soil. You know, dirt is what you drag in on the bottom of your shoes and under your fingernails. Soil is what you grow plants in. That's that's the big thing among soil scientists. They'll, they'll slap you in the hand if you call it dirt. But yeah, <clears throat> a lot of places here, you know, and I got areas on my property where i don't have any soil at all it's just exposed limestone but then you go back on the end of the property and i could probably dig down 10 feet and not hit a pebble so really determining your soil depth is key you know you need at least i would say 12 to 16 inches of of good topsoil uh and it may be clay you know clay is the just the common soil here but it, as long as you've got the depth is key and if you don't then you want to maybe consider doing raised beds you know you can build you know four by eight uh, lumber raised beds you can use cinder blocks you can use cedar you could use treated lumber here uh, doing the raised beds and then also you know I, I'd, I'd encourage you to contact our office this individual give us a call I can give you some recommendations for what to plant when to plant it how to plant it uh, you know because because not all garden plants are created equal so knowing what varieties to plant and knowing when to plant that's the biggest thing here you know folks always jump the gun that first warm weekend we have in April Folks will go to Lowe's, and, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot, they're smart. They, they feed into that consumer demand, and they'll start putting out vegetable transplants at the end of March. 
Well, if you go to plant those at the end of March or in April, the odds that we're going to get a light freeze somewhere in the month of April is very high. So, you know, my rule of thumb is don't plant anything outside until at least May 1st. You know, it is as, as hard as it may be for folks to, to, to hold back. I promise you, you will not be sorry if, if you wait. So I, I encourage this individual to give us a call, uh, 615-898-7710, or if they go to our website, rutherford.tennessee.edu. Uh, give me a call. It's Justin Stefanski. I'll be more than happy to chat with you and, and try to help you out. Uh, you, you mentioned about raised bed gardens. Is that a good way to start your gardening uh, career? In my opinion, it's the best way to garden. You know, I have... Period. Well, I mean, I, the, mean, you, you, I don't want to start any <laughs> any controversies. <laughs> but, you know, for a small, you know, let's say an urban backyard garden, you know, it's manageable. Uh, the weeds, you, you know, you think about a regular garden, you're going to have to be out there, and especially with our Bermuda grass. Bermuda grass will run, and it'll it'll choke out a garden real quick. So crabgrass is crazy. In a raised bed, in theory, if you do it right, you're not going to have the same type of weed pressure, but you're also you're using amended topsoil and garden soils that are rich in nutrient. They're, they're perfect growing media for our vegetable plants, and it's manageable. You know, most raised beds are somewhere in the four by eight size range, I would start with one raised bed, you know, and just grow a few plants. You know, that's the biggest mistake I see new gardeners make is they, they go in and they just, they make a garden so big that they really get a bad taste in their mouth. They're like, this is way too much work. It was a, it was a, it was a mess this year. I don't want to garden next year. Start small, start something that's manageable and doing raised beds is the perfect way to, to kind of adjust into the gardening lifestyle. I'm glad you brought that up because we're going to pause right now. But when we come back, I want to touch on that. The changes in thinking about gardens. I can remember driving home and we don't live out in the country. We live here in town, uh, passing people who had huge gardens Mm -hmm. and they loved it. I don't see that these days. We'll find out more about that. Justin Stefanski is with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. If you have a question for Justin, our phone number is 615-893-1450. You can talk to us. You can text us. Whichever is best for you. 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. Now, more than ever, start your mornings with WGNS. Swap and shop with Bart Walker. Weekday mornings, 7.50 to 8.10 on WGNS, AM, FM, online. Broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios, MTE supplies power to the station's 328-foot tower in downtown Murfreesboro. MTE, serving to make life better since 1936. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. One of the best things about coming to Animal City is the knowledgeable and caring staff. Animal City offers gift cards in any denomination. When you stop in to see us at Animal City, make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies. This is Amanda, inviting your family to come in and do business with my family. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak where my wife will end up getting our salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go, you can get pastas or chicken, you know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. 
At Holden Hardware, we carry one of the area's best selection of sleds. We carry the round disc to the 48 and 66 inch plastic toboggans. We also have a few different ones in between. We may even have the old fashioned wood and metal sleds. When you are wanting to buy a sled, don't drive all over town. Come by and see us at Holden Hardware on the square. If you see the sleds in the window, we have them waiting for you. But don't wait too long. Get your sled at Holden Hardware on the square. Good morning, still some heavy traffic trying to get out of Kentucky right now on 65 southbound, uh, right at the Tennessee-Kentucky line. It's been a mess up there all morning. It's trying to get into that section of Robertson County from a wreck that's southbound. 24 is still slower than normal coming past the Jolton exit going eastbound. We've had a series of wrecks up through there earlier. What a mess out in Smith County. There's THP still working at wreck 40 westbound at the 262 mile marker. That's got traffic really slow going, delaying a lot of people coming from the Cumberland Plateau towards Nashville on 40 going west through that section of Smith County. Nash Painting services all of Middle Tennessee. NashPainting.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Skies become mostly sunny here this afternoon with a high in the mid-60s. Winds out of the southwest around 20 to 25 miles per hour, gusting as high as 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 53. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. Dave Ramsey, America's most trusted money expert. The Dave Ramsey Show, live each day from 1 to 4 on WGNS Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Welcome back. We're talking lawns and gardens this morning. Beautiful day to talk about that. Justin Stefanski is with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. The phone number to join us, talk or text, you're in choice, uh, in charge. (laughs) 615-893-1450. Our birthday winner today, getting that delicious banana pudding from Slick Pig Barbecue. Carrie Garrett. Happy birthday to you, Carrie. And our good neighbor of the day receiving flowers from Jenny Harrison and the whole family over there at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. Congratulations to Tanya Whitman. Tanya Whitman. The person says she is a friend indeed. When you have a need, she is there. Tanya Whitman. Definitely a good neighbor. Our phone number again, 615-893-1450. And Justin, when we left, we brought up the subject about, it seems like it wasn't too long ago, you'd drive home and there would be big backyard gardens. I mean, big backyard mm-hmm. gardens. Mm-hmm. I don't see that so much anymore. Are, is, is that going out of favor? And uh, if so, why? Uh, maybe, maybe people are jumping into the raised bed gardens, like you said. Yeah, I think a lot of the bigger gardens we used to see, it was a necessity for a lot of folks. You know, you think about the canning, you know, people canned and they preserved and, you know, that was a way of life for them. And it really supplemented their, their you know, their food supply. Uh, you look at the, the way that the society has changed here in Middle Tennessee, you know, our, our yards are smaller. It's more of an urban environment. And uh, I think that there's just less space for folks to garden now. You know, we don't have the big sprawling lot sizes that we used to have. And and really, Kroger does a fine job of growing vegetables for a lot of (laughs) folks, you know, Kroger and Walmart and Aldi, you know. So I think a lot of people just, 
you know, they don't need large gardens anymore. And, and a lot of folks don't grow up with that knowledge. You know, that was something that was probably passed on to them from their parents and before that. So, you know, a lot of the people that I see now, they're new to gardening. They don't have a gardening background. You know, their parents necessarily didn't teach them anything about gardening. So they're really getting into it, you know, with, with very little experience or knowledge. So, you know, doing the raised bed, I think, has it certainly in the last 25 years, raised beds have really become a popular uh, gardening method. And, and I, I'm a huge fan of raised beds. You know, if you've got a small urban backyard, you know, doing two or three raised beds or even a single raised bed, you'd be amazed at how much you can produce out of a small space like that. And it's manageable. I think that's the biggest thing for folks is, you know, don't make a burden on yourself. Gardening should be an enjoyable, relaxing activity. It shouldn't become a, you know, just a, a toil away, pulling weeds, you know, because it, it can be. It could become a burden and it, it takes all the enjoyment out of it. So, Doing a raised bed garden to me is just, it's a natural natural fit for the urban environment now that we're living in. You, know, you mentioned something a moment ago about how so many people don't grow up with their parents showing them how to garden these days. Maybe that's why the garden basics class is so popular. I think so. You know, I really do. I think a lot of folks do not have that generational knowledge anymore, and they're hungry for that knowledge. You know, we kind of went through this, you know, you just look at American society, you know, our, you know, your grandparents, my grandparents, you know, that was that was a way of life for them. But then, you know, the baby boomer generation, you know, the, the modern industrialization and, and the way that food was produced, folks stopped gardening. They, they moved off the farm. They came into the cities. And now their, their grandchildren are like, wait a minute, I want to know where my food comes from. And I like to be outside and I like to garden. So, you know, we're seeing this trend nationwide. I mean, gardening has just been uh, such a popular activity. You look at during lockdown, you know, I bet Lowe's sales were through the roof you know if you tried to drive into Lowe's at any point during the last couple of years you know the parking lot is just it's hard to find a spot on a Saturday you know so we've seen that movement and the Garden Basics is such a, a wonderful opportunity for folks to just get you know it's not going to be a, a a college course it's just a very pragmatic practical tips and and uh strategies that you can use to garden here in middle tennessee so it would be a great program for folks getting into it now there is a max on the number of students and is that getting pretty close because once it's full we're it's about full. a quarter of the way full okay. right now so we've still got you know plenty of room for folks but i certainly would encourage you to, to work jump on it fast because it will fill up quickly this month how much does it cost and when are the classes so per individual it's fifty dollars now if you are a couple or you live in the same household and you want to share course materials it's ninety dollars and the course will begin on thursday march 2nd and it will run thursday march 2nd march 9th march 16th march 30th and april 6th 6 p.m to 8 30 p.m and it'll be there at lane agri park uh, where my office is located. And if you have not been there, you have missed something. We are very fortunate to have the Lane Agri-Park. I remember back when that was in the planning stages. That's a long time ago. <laughs> but I remember uh, the folks would go around to different states to see what their facilities were to find the best ideas and incorporate those into what we were building. We did it, and, and those guys and gals did a great job they really did i think we have the premier extension facility in the state and that's my opinion i know i'm a little biased but we've got you know we've got the space we've got the demonstration gardens we've got the pond the community center the farmer's market the office you know there's really nothing that we don't have it's a wonderful facility 
And the places to show how to do these things. Hands-on opportunities. I'm I'm a hands-on learner. You know, if I sit in a room and try to listen to a PowerPoint, I have about an eight-minute attention span. And I just gloss over, and that's it. So for me, doing hands-on learning is is really the way that I prefer to teach. So, you know, I'm actually going to be doing a pruning class coming up on February 20th. You can check our website out and enroll for that. But it'll be a a hands-on type class. There'll be a small classroom instructional, like going over tools. But, yeah, we've got the grounds to do it. And and we're so fortunate to have that because we really do have the the sky's the limit out there for us. Now, when is the pruning again? It will be February 20th. It'll be a February 20th. Okay, Mm -hmm. now, so that means... Means we need to start thinking about pruning. I guess. I'm sorry, it's the 25th. My 25th. Apologies. Okay. 25th. Yeah, it'll be 10 a.m. to noon on February 25th. Yeah, pruning. You know, the best time to prune is right before things break dormancy. So that that varies slightly here in in Middle Tennessee. You know, sometimes our spring is exceptionally warm and things start to bud out and leaf out. You know, at the end of February even. You know, I've seen things starting to to leaf out the end of February, early March. But typically. You know, anywhere between the middle to the end of February to the first couple of weeks of March is, is really the preferred pruning season here in Middle Tennessee. Okay. So is there anything else? we? I know you have a, a area where there are plots of grass, mm-hmm. and you can see what different types yep. look like. Uh, walk on them, see them at different seasons. Uh, are there any other demonstrations uh, around the there, there sure is. Yeah, if you go out, uh, if you're at our facility and you pull in the main the main entrance where our office is, that's where the turf demonstrations are. If you go around the corner where the pond is, where the, if you've ever been to the farmer's market, there's a pavilion there, and that's where our master gardener demonstration gardens are. And they've got raised bed gardens in different methods and styles. They've got composting demonstrations. We've got a butterfly garden there with native plants, uh, pollinator-friendly things, herbs, you name it, we've got it. So if you're ever around Lane Agri Park, pull in drive through and, and odds are there'll be a master gardener probably somewhere in the garden there and they are always happy to share what they're doing what and why they did it uh and and we have tons of people that come out there and just bring their kids and families and it's just a great place to, to visit i'm glad you mentioned uh about the uh different ways of doing things because that's what lane agri-park is all about showing Absolutely. you the different ways Absolutely. Now, uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, the term, and I've forgotten the term, where you, the composting. Composting, yes. Uh, For people who haven't gotten into that, what should they do? Is this a difficult thing or is it? It's not difficult. You know, just if you think about the, the food waste that we have just in food scraps, now I'm talking vegetables, you know, you wouldn't want to use any meat or anything with grease in it, but if you're just, your, your kitchen scraps from, from organic type food waste, uh, vegetables and whatnot, you know, that right there is a great starter. Now you have to have, that would be a green material. You also have to have a brown and a brown would be something like, like brown leaves or, or sticks and twigs that are basically not green with moisture in them. And you got to have a ratio, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a fine balance, you know, but for most folks, if you go half and half on it, that'll kickstart the microbes. Basically we're relying on microbial activity in that soil structure to break down that material that's green and that will basically add uh, nutrients into that compost and over time it breaks down and then we get rich beautiful planting media oh so neat and how long does it take to to have a successful uh, composting uh, facility there you know if you start a compost pile now you know I'd say within six months you're gonna have a big old pile and nice beautiful compostable you know plantable uh, growing mix so come this summer you'd be able to You'd use be it. in business for sure yeah 
okay. you don't have to have a big compost bin. You can use a just a storage tote even. If that's all you want to do, then that's fine. You know, if you put your kitchen scraps in there and then add some some brown leaves or just some brown little, you know, small tiny sticks and twigs will work. Uh, you know, the more surface area, the better. So the smaller the, the items, the better. So I always encourage folks to chop their stuff up. You can use eggshells. You can use your coffee filter and coffee grounds. Think about hmm. when you make your morning coffee, how much waste if you think about it if you make coffee 365 days a year that's a whole lot of brown material that would be a perfect brown material to go in with your green material so just put the coffee grounds in the coffee grounds the filter and all if you're using a paper filter you know it will break down uh eggshells are a great addition if you crunch them up uh you know that adds calcium to our soil mix so it's 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 really a, you can add a lot of things. You just don't want to add any meat products. That's the big thing you don't want to put in compost. Now, is this something that people who have raised bed gardens should be doing also? I would highly encourage it. Absolutely. Just mix it into the soil. You can mix it right in. You know, usually in you know starting here in about a month, folks will start amending their raised beds and their garden soil and start getting ready for that. You know, prepping the soil so to speak for planting. So adding in that compost is is a great addition, and it just adds nutrients. And it's, it's a wonderful way to, to use those kitchen scraps. Here's a text from a listener who says, I'm one of those weird ones who has decided to get into gardening. Uh, I'm putting in about a 10 by 10 foot garden in my backyard. I've gone way out and have purchased a tiller. And I'm getting ready to consider tilling my garden, tilling the soil up. There's no garden there yet. Should I till in those waste products into the soil? It certainly won't hurt anything. Yeah, you know, if, if, you, if that's the only thing you did, if you didn't want to do a true compost bin, tilling in that garden waste, you know, it's going to add that into those already existing soil microbes in our soil. And over time, you know, it, you know, by the time the gardening season gets here, you know, it will already have started to break down and, and to digest those kitchen scraps. So, yeah, I think that's a wonderful idea. And you said put everything but meat in You don't there. want to put anything with meat or grease. You know, that has some pathogens in it. You just want to use, you know, green kitchen scraps. You know, your onion fruits, peels, vegetables. fruits, vegetables, things like that. Banana peels, coffee grounds, eggshells, just nothing with a, with a meat derivative in it. And if you put that into a, a, a garbage bag, you got to put it somewhere well, uh, until you get enough of it to, to compost. I use an old paper shredder bin is what I have. I keep it on okay. my back deck, and I've drilled holes in the bottom of it. I keep it covered, and it, it basically, you know, when we have kitchen scraps, we put it right in that little bin, and then that bin, once it gets full, I take it out back to the big compost pile, and that's how we do it basically at my house. So you don't have to do anything fancy. You could just It doesn't a, smell or anything. Nope. If you do it right, there should be no smell whatsoever because it's just going to naturally break down. And if it's, if it's functioning properly, a compost pile should not have any foul odors. It may have a little bit of a a scent but it shouldn't be a bad smell here's another text from a listener they said i may be wrong on this one but it seems like i had heard somewhere that there's a potential of uh heating up and starting a fire that is 100 percent accurate so oh really I, got, I thought this is a strange question yeah but. and it happens you you hear stories of compost bins you know it, it happens a lot at garden centers with their mulch piles if you've ever gone to a garden center where they have bulk mulch piled up you'll notice mm-hmm. in the mornings on a cool day it's steaming you'll see actual steam coming off and it has happened where these internal you know that that core of that is so hot you know as things start to break down they produce heat that's a byproduct of the digestion that's taking place and also the gases that are produced you know it's producing methane gas and if it gets trapped inside that compost pile where it's not able to escape and it's hot bam you know it, it certainly happens but 
that's why we turn our compost piles. It's always good practice every couple of days to go in with a pitchfork and just give it a turn, give it a toss, and then that will help expose those those internal core areas that may be getting hot and trapping gases. So turning your compost really is an essential part of doing it safely and properly. So this person who had written earlier texted us about putting his uh, compost material, tilling it into his garden. Should he till it on a regular basis? Does that get hot? Now, if you're just putting it in the native soil, no, there's no risk there of it, it you know, having a fire condition because the soil will have so much moisture in it that the heat level and the and the uh, the gas production really won't be there. What happens on a compost bin is it just gets hot, the heat gets trapped, the gases get trapped inside. There's not anywhere for it to escape, and that's what causes a combustible environment. So, but if you're just putting it out into the soil, there's really no risk of a fire. Our phone number six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. Time for our final break. We will be back in just a second. Justin Stefanski is with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Yes, we're going to ask him when will the farmer's market. We're getting a lot of questions about that. People are excited. They are ready for spring and summer. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10. your good neighbor station. Rutherford County's place to talk. Bell Jewelers have some wedding sets on sale if you feel like now's the time. The perfect time is Valentine's Day to pop that special question. Hi, this is Taylor Halliburton with Bell Jewelers. So we have some great deals going on right now. We have diamond studs starting at $149. We have some beautiful heart-shaped pendants for your loved ones. Bell Jewelers is located on 821 Northwest Broad Street across from Toots. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. You won't believe what you'll find at the co-op. If you're needing that perfect gift, we've got it. We have wonderful gift ideas in our gift department, great selection of Carhartt clothing and other fashion clothes. We also, in our pet and bird section, have everything you need for your feathered and furry friends. So please come see us. You won't believe what you'll find at the co-op. Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. This is MTSU President Sidney McPhee. You're listening to WGNS, your local connection to Blue Raider Atlanta. WGNS AM, FM, online. As always, we have more fun than the law should allow. Right on the edge. (laughs) Justin Stefanski is with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. And we have a listener who is a big fan of Anthony Tuggle. And they said they just wanted to say hi to Anthony and uh, wanted to see what he's up to these days. I, th- I think he's really running the place. Anthony is my boss now. Yeah, and Anthony's been the county director. That's what we call our administrator for the entire extension office. So Anthony is the county director there doing a great job. And that's my boss. That's who I uh, report to. He's, he is 
healthy well and doing doing a great job good deal uh just always good to hear from anthony and he has uh, great stories to share with people another person and you probably don't even remember Dwayne trail he was the county director prior to anthony yeah now i i know of him i don't know if i've ever actually met him personally though he one of his talents he had many talents one of his talents was looking at uh the folklore approach to gardening, to weather, things of that sort. Ah. Uh, say hi to Dwayne if you ever run across him. People miss his woolly worm forecast. And <laughs> you know, I, I got a, a, an almanac from 1848 at an antique store the other day, and I oh, was okay. reading through there and talking about folklore. It's like it's amazing to me how much folks relied on, you know, the cycles of the moon for their planting and, and those little bitty tidbits of, you know, and not all of it's false. A lot of that stuff was accurate. And the knowledge that they had that we've lost now, it's a real shame that we don't use almanacs as much as people used to rely on them. So if you had an almanac, could you use it these days? Absolutely. The Farmer's Almanac is still in print. It's still being produced, and it is a great resource. You know, It tells you about the weather. It tells you about cycles of the moon, and, and old-timers will swear by planting by the cycle of the moon. Now, I don't know when is the best time for, you know, for the cycle, but I know of nurserymen in McMinnville that they will not put trees out in the field unless the moon is in a certain point in the cycle. Uh, so, yeah, Farmer's Almanac, it's still out there. Here's a person who says, where can I find a butterfly weed? Butterfly weed? Yeah, Asclepius tuberosa. It's one of the greatest milkweeds we have. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to come by at a lot of the big box stores, but I would check with, you know, Martin's or South Branch here in town. I know they will certainly have some in the spring, but they will be few and far between. So I would, and you can request things too. Any garden center that's a local, locally owned place, just tell them, hey, I would like some of these and, and they can get them for you. One of my favorite plants. So what is it that's so special about the butterfly weed? We, we've all seen it. It's the orange flower that kind of grows up in the hedgerows and the ditches along the side of the road. Oh, yeah. And monarchs, uh, it's, a, it's, it's basically a host plant and a food source for monarch butterflies. So, you know, as we think about monarchs, you know, their, their populations have declined significantly in the last 50 years. So, you know, we, you think about the areas now, we mow everything down. You know, there aren't those native pastures anymore in prairies. So... You know, the butterfly weed is so essential for monarch butterflies, and that's what really gives them their orange color. You know, they feed on that, and the uh, it's poisonous. If anybody eats a monarch, they inject, you know, a when they eat. monarch butterfly? Monarch butterflies, if you're a bird and you go to eat it, it, it's not very pleasant for them, and it comes directly from the butterfly weed. Okay. So is it's it, essential. Now, do you have, don't you have a butterfly garden? We do. Yep, we have a butterfly demonstration garden there at the pavilion at Lane Agri-Park, and we absolutely have some butterfly weed in there. And if you come, you know, I saw a monarch there in October. I, a poor thing was a little late to the game. It was just getting ready. It, was, it had just hatched out. Its wings were unfurling, but we've got a great garden there. Highly encourage folks to come visit. Is this a good time to be thinking about what you're going to do with your butterfly garden? Absolutely, yeah. You know, I'm already out in my backfield. I kind of had a naturalized area where I've got native wildflowers and and you know flowering plants i'm already out there game planning thinking about what i'm going to do where i'm going to plant it so yeah i highly encourage folks to start planning now and thinking about making a plant list and and getting to the garden center you know that that first nice warm weekend in the spring you know how busy it'll be so get oh, there yes. early and often and, and get your plants in and yeah it's time we have about a minute and a half left but if you have a good butterfly garden will that also attract hummingbirds 100 percent, it will Absolutely. So a lot of the same plants that butterflies feed on for ne nectar, hummingbirds will do the same. Okay, so get 
on to that. Start planning now. Okay. Uh, and, and is this one of the things that you would get the seeds for, or do you go with plants? Really, I would try to get them from tr- uh, actual grown transplants. Now, you can certainly grow them from seed, but mm-hmm. you know, getting the plants already growing and, and putting them directly in the ground will certainly give you a head start. Okay, one more question, and then we'll be probably out of time. And that is the question about, we've mentioned doing a a study of your soil. Do you have everything we need? Should we go by the Lane Agri-Park? Come by Lane Agri-Park. You know, we've got soil sample boxes, and we've got the forms there. So, uh, you know, to take a soil sample, we can give you the proper information. Come visit us, and then we'll get you all that information, uh, and then we'll get you squared away. How much does it cost, and when will we get the results back? So if you give it to us to ship it to the lab, it's $20, and the lab usually gets results out within the same week that we get it there so i'd say no more than 10 days from the time you drop it off to us to you know it'll be before that but i'll say 10 days just to be safe so it's it's pretty quick turnaround sounds like a winner justin stefanski with us this morning from the lane agriquark the rutherford county agricultural extension service don't forget to sign up now for the garden basics class just give you a call yes sir Justin, thank you for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Hey, have a super day. Much more to come right here on your Good Neighbor Station. Keep that smile going.